Socks Up with Ryan Smith, the official podcast for the Queensland Reds. Welcome back to the latest episode of Socks Up with me, Ryan Smith. As always, we're proud to partner with Triple M to produce this podcast. Socks Up is a lighter look at everything that's happening at the Queensland Reds with breaking news and hot takes, as well as a chance to get to know some of our big personalities and, of course, find out who really does need to pull their socks up. Each week, I'm joined by a special guest and my mate, Feet Pearburn. How are you, Feet? Smithy, always well, mate. Always good to, to see you and great to be in the studio two weeks in a row. Mate, uh, coming off that Crusaders match last week, how was it up against one of the competition's benchmarks? Didn't get the result we wanted, but um, how have you pulled up and, and what learnings have you taken from that? Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a really good, tough game. Um, obviously, they're sort of the benchmark, as you say, in Super Rugby and, yeah, always a pretty tough battle up front in the forward pack. Um, and then they got some pretty classy backs that always um, play really well and they have some pretty sharp moves. Um, yeah, we, we were pretty happy overall. Obviously a loss, you can't be um, ecstatic dancing around the room, but I think we're pretty proud of the performance we put out there. Not being able to close out was a, a little bit disappointing and um, there were definitely some sore bodies after. So um, yeah, boys put in 100% and, and worked really hard. There's just some little areas that we can sort of clean up a little bit and try and tie out those games. And um, yeah, that's probably our next improvement is being able to win those sort of tight games and being able to finish off well and, and make the right decisions through the game that put us in a position to win. Prep pretty quickly turned to the Brumbies. I mean, you guys were back in at Ballymore on, on Sunday. No rest for the wicked. Yeah, 100%. I think um, we've had a few runs of um, short weeks where we you know, go from a Sunday to a Saturday to a Friday and then uh, we sort of got two Friday games in a row now. So um, pretty tight turnaround. So, yeah, we just need to get back into it and back into training. And, you know, movement's the best thing for a sore body anyway. So uh, good on that Sunday to get in and, and do a pretty extensive um, review and, and then get straight into halfway through the day. We just flip the switch and we're on to preview for the Brumbies. So, uh, yeah, it all happens pretty quickly and, and it's good to just change our focus. We can't sort of sit and, and worry about what we've done in the past. It's always looking forward to the next week. And um, yeah, we've, we've played the Brumbies not too long ago and not much has really changed in terms of our game plan going into it. Uh, we're just trying to look to execute our game plan. And um, if we can do that, we're going to be put ourselves in, you know, a really good stead to win. And it's always a good challenge against the Brumbies. You know, they've um, sort of been the benchmark of, of Aussie Super Rugby and um, they play a pretty sharp game and they're very structured and, and know exactly what they want to do and they sort of don't get too rattled by anything that we throw at them, you know, any anyone throws at them. Um, so, yeah, it's good to be able to play against a team like that and, and put forth some, um, you know, good tactics and the f- coaches have come up with a good game plan to try and um, put some pressure on them. Well, as they always say, the front windscreen's bigger than the rearview mirror for a reason. So it is important, particularly in a competition that's so frenetic, so little pauses, so little breaks, um, you know, to be able to switch that attention pretty quickly. The Brumbies, it's been a big rivalry, um, you know, that's only grown with the Reds and the Brumbies in recent years. Last week, they played the Waratahs, and you even saw some of the Brumbies players saying, oh, that's not really our biggest rivalry anymore. Um, It was a cracking match between the Brumbies and the Tars. That being said, what did you pick up out of their performance? in terms of threats but also opportunities for the Reds? Yeah, I think um, both sides of their line-out, especially for my position, is um, is massive for them. They've kind of got three of the Wallabies locks, um, you know, two starting and one on the bench for the, for the Brumbies. So that's always a massive battle for us there and just trying to get a little bit of ascendancy. I think a lot of a lot of play comes off of those starter players in those line-outs and scrums. So the set-piece battle is pretty massive, um, 
it's something that we've been working on the last few weeks and our set piece has been looking pretty good and um, yeah just they're a pretty physical pack the Brumbies they're always putting pressure on the the breakdown and um, yeah in the out wide um, channels they put put pressure on those breakdowns out there trying to look for turnovers and uh, they got some pretty classy backs as um, as we know and some pretty quick backs too they make up a pretty large percentage of the Wallabies so yeah it's, it's a good test and you know the first Wallaby squads come out recently and uh, there's a lot of Brumbies names there and um, we're looking to get a few more Reds names on the on the, on the the sheet there. Yeah let's talk about that Wallabies squad you know one guy who really um, aimed up on, on Friday night for the Reds is, is Jordan Patea who's been in fantastic form and um, finds himself in there also Josh Flew I think our, our three guests on the podcast thus far all named him as as the, the next uncapped red who they thought might get a wallaby cap. He's named in his first training squad, though as Eddie Jones says, this isn't a squad for the World Cup. This is a squad for a training camp. Uh, Fraser McRide in there as well, as Suley as well. Um, what were your impressions of that squad and, and some of the new names in there too? Yeah, I think everyone that's... Um Picked in that squad's extremely well deserving. It's um, it's only sort of been the first uh, little third of the competition so far. So the guys getting picked are the ones that are putting their their hands up for it. And uh, I think it'll be a, a tough camp by all um, by all accounts. Uh, I think uh, the boys are going to have a shock getting in there and um, getting flogged around, which is um, always good. But there's some good names, some young guys coming out of the Tars and the Brums that are getting some. Um, some time there and still looking at that um, overseas contingent which is um, always a bit interesting with the sort of ghetto laws and how they get around getting players back in for that squad and um, yeah I think it's a pretty strong team but I definitely know that um, there's guys that haven't made that list that will be going to World Cup so um, just can't get um, you know dis- disenchanted with that team list and if your name's not there uh, you, you'll need to be the one that puts your hand up to, to put it there you know it's not Eddie Jones isn't putting your, your name down because he likes you it's because you've put your hand up for it so um, yeah it's a it's a first look at a Wallabies team and what it might look like so um, just got to keep trucking away and try and get on the list. And as we know, right, I mean, Eddie Jones is infamous for um, you know, some of the tactics he employs to try and get the best out of his players, right? So in terms of some of the players selected or, or not selected, uh, you know, I don't think we can underestimate whether there's some, some mind games at play there and, and trying to see how different people respond um, to that. Mate, talk us through our guest today. This is a guy you're really keen to have on the podcast. Guy who's made a huge impression at the club uh, during his time at the Reds and a guy who, who uh, you know, broke through and played test footy last year. Yeah. We're lucky enough to get Jock Campbell on the podcast um, today and yeah, he's just a, a really strong head in the group and um, puts his heart out there on the field and um, yeah, he seems like he's got spiders on him half the time he's out on the field and uh, gets around really well and then yeah, pretty pretty well the ultimate professional off the field, he, um, he does great preview, great review, um, yeah, he's just a, a guy you can always rely on, uh, you know he's going to be there and um, yeah, it should be a good, good yarn this morning. Yeah, and also a guy who's so generous with his time when it comes to the fans and genuinely loves that engagement, particularly with our, our younger fans. Jock Campbell, 27 years old. He made his Super Rugby debut in 2019 after two really strong years for Queensland Country in the old NRC. Jock scored 16 Super Rugby tries and he earned his 50th Reds cap against the Western Force in Round 2 this year. Uh, Jock made his international debut last year in the win against Scotland at Murrayfield, becoming a Wallaby number 960 in the process and becoming the second Jock to play for Australia after Wallaby number 177, Jock Blackwood, uh, back in 1922. Jock plays his club rugby with UQ. His sister Tina is a star lock in the Queensland Reds Build Corp Super, uh, Super W squad, I should say. And last year, Jock re-signed with the Reds and Rugby Australia through till the end of 2024.
Welcome, Jock, and thanks for coming on to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. A pleasure, and I know Smithy, I've dodged the, this podcast for a little while, but it's good to be in here. Yeah, I know uh, we're trying to get you on a few weeks back, but uh, it's our day off. We come in here to do this potty, and I think golf might take a priority on your on your downtime, which is all right. How how have you been hitting them? And uh, talk us through, you're a member at Indro with Geordie. Yeah, yeah. The day off is normally my tea time. Uh, <laughs> Had to had to leave Geordie today. Um, yeah, so Geordie and I are both members at Indrapilly, you know, awesome club, and we get out there as much as possible and play together. Have a have a bit of a rivalry at, at at the moment with a few boys in the squad um, who play at Nudgee, um, Harry Hoopert, Harry Wilson, and Lawson Crichton. We've got like a little match happening, and uh, we've played three at in, at, at, at Nudgee, and uh, the Indra boys are up two nil. So. Ooh. No, we're looking good. We're very happy to play on home turf soon, though. I was going to say, I think those Nudgee boys always brag about how tough the course is there at Nudgee, and there's um, plenty of water traps. I know last time Fraser had a game with them, he brought two balls and had lost about six on the first um, <laughs> first hole. Um, d- is it a bit of a change-up playing at Nudgee versus Indro? Yeah, slightly different. I know Nudgee's uh, revamped their course, and it's actually an awesome course. I really love playing there. Um, one, one of the, one of the 18 holes has got a fair bit of water and I must admit I do find those creeks a little bit <laughs> like, like Fraser has um, but yeah it's just good good for us to, to get away from rugby and um, you know keep our competitive energy going in the golf. Now, do you find, I know speaking with Wilso, he refuses to talk about rugby on the golf course. Are you guys pretty similar? It's not refusing, but it just it's it's hard to when you're thinking about golf and throwing a bit of chat at each other. Um, yeah, it's it's not really a rule for, for Geordie and I. And I, I know Wils is very strict on it. Yeah. But yeah, no, nah, like we're pretty casual. It's um, But yes, it's good to get the limbs moving as you said after a game or something it's good to get the body moving again and get your mind away and it's sort of a challenge to get that handicap dropping yeah so you say you're using it as like a bit of recovery uh you know what what else are you doing for your recovery um is there anything you've brought in recently little tactics um uh, i know we've sort of both jumped on a similar sort of uh, trend would you would you want to talk through that yeah, so so Smithy and I, I think he's talking about the Whoop. Yeah, so uh, the Whoop is a little uh, device that we wear, um, which sort of gives us recovery scores and stuff like that. And got to give a shout out to to Reese Hodge, who um, I was rooming with a fair bit at the back end of last year, and he had one, and I sort of got a bit jealous and <laughs> pulled the trigger on getting one. And I know he's a big listener of the Socks Up podcast, oh, so nice. so uh, he'll be happy that I've given him a <laughs> shout out. No, it's just um, it's just cool. Like, oh, I'm interested in all that. Um, I know we speak about it a fair bit. Um, we listen to a fair few podcasts on um, recovery and ice baths and sauna with human. And um, it's just something that, you know, I'm interested in. And, you know, Geordie and I, we all uh, always head to, to TH7 um, and get our sauna, ice, air. Yeah down there and yeah so um i would know i was speaking with you for a while about trying to talk myself into it and uh, i think that got me over the line you said it was tax deductible so that was uh, the best way that you could get me on board with it um yeah and we've been i think we've got about six of us now spencer um blythe nasa yeah zaki there's um a good group of us all on it now it's pretty cool you can sort of half spine everyone and see how good they're recovering and you get a recovery score and a sleep score each day and um yeah it's pretty cool um it's 
it's interesting just to be able to uh, see the sort of effects that your different practices that you put in place. I know I've spoken with you about getting up early and first thing that I try and do, and I, I think you've had a crack at it too, is get outside and um, get the sunlight straight into your eyes. So um, it's cool to put in processes, little things that, you know, that and it and science and data backing it showing you that those things work and uh, I like to have a nice easy process in the in the morning and of an evening pack my bag and then throw my brekkie in the um, air fryer ready to go and sit outside and have a coffee in the sunlight and no I found that um, yeah it just makes me feel really good and makes me feel refreshed ready to get into training so it's cool that um, yeah a lot of guys are really caring about our recovery because um, you know it's, it's sometimes a little bit wishy-washy and you know you sometimes get told by the S&C and by Marshy to, you know, get in and recover and it kind of becomes a chore almost in a way. But um, to be able to, you know, take responsibility for it and, you know, see the see the benefit of it, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think what you touched on there also is when you get your scores, it's, it's not the be-all and end-all. Like, I don't wake up, look at my score and then that dictates how I feel. But it's, you get a score and then you can sort of go through what you did the day before and, and they have that on the app. And you sort of can deduce yourself what is helping, what is hindering. I know for me, something that really helps my sleep is I like try to put my phone away before half an hour before bed. And it's also got me in a good habit of uh, stretching or just relaxing or even talking talking with the missus before bed instead of just being on my phone. Mm. And that's actually helped. Um, it's also funny about you mentioned our little group in Whoop. You can see everyone's scores and... <laughs> There's some. There's a couple of great sleepers in our group. Like, I'm not one of them. I'm. I'm like between six and seven. Got Your eight. Dog. Eight hours last <laughs> night, which I think was a PB. It's big. You got people like Josh Nasser who hits uh, nine hours regularly. He's an absolute log. <laughs> um, but what's also funny is uh, recovery scores. So yep. you can you can see if people have a sneaky beer or something <laughs> like that because uh, recoveries are can get very low yep. and get in the red there. So yeah, no, nah, it's just good and. Um, it keeps it all interesting and a bit, bit of banter around the boys. Yeah, 100%. I, I don't think you've ever had bragging rights about sleeping before, but um, that's definitely the first thing I like to get into someone about the night before. Yeah, exactly. As you say, NASA's been like back-to-back 100% sleep scores. and Just funny. Like, I don't know how he has that much time to sleep. Just quietly, uh, nine and a half hours. I don't th- that's like a two-day sleep for me. Yeah, I think he's heading, heading straight home from training and getting straight into bed by the sounds of it. <laughs> also, Jocko, I noticed um, pre-game, lots of guys have different rituals and you know different ways that they go through their processes, especially on an away game. There's so much stimulus going around. There's, you know, 35 blokes on a, on a tour away in Melbourne and staying in a hotel. Consistently, there's about four or five of you guys that play cards the night before the game. How do you think that sort of... Um, gets you prepared for a game and I know you're into your chess as well um those sort of like mind puzzles and you know uh little little games exactly like how does how do you think that um prepares you for a game or or you know gets your mind off the game you're making me sound like a bit of a gibbon here (laughs) just quietly this Um, is my perception of you (laughs) no well the cards um you know night before is not too massive but the morning of a few of us if we're away game we'll go get a coffee just to get outside and we we generally play cards and it's more just to kill time because we don't play till eight o'clock at night so you literally got um, we're not required till about 5 p.m so yeah you have about eight hours of just if you're sitting in the hotel room thinking about the game you just burn energy so if you know there's a 500 crew and we like to go out <laughs> and uh get a coffee and um sit at a table 
which is probably not good for the cafe because we take up a fair chunk of space, <laughs> order one coffee and then sit there for two hours. So <laughs> we got kicked out in Melbourne. We went to our limit, the t- our table time limit. So <laughs> we were losing anyway, so I was happy to just quickly shuffle the card. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's more about just getting your mind off footy. Yeah. Um, and then when it's time to switch on, at, at those later hours you switch on and, and chess is something similar for me as well. Jock, obviously, um, yeah, I can hear how much um, emphasis you put on your recovery, your preparation, uh, trying to do all the one percenters. How does that extend across your diet, um, kind of during the week, but also on a game day when you're playing at, at 8 o'clock at night? Talk us through um, you know, what your kind of consumption's like on game day. I'm a bit lucky. Um, like my issue with with weight is trying to put it on or maintain so i have a pretty much open diet i eat pretty healthy naturally but there's no limits to what i can eat like i'm pretty sure no one on pumping donuts or anything will have anything to say because they want me to keep the weight on in terms of a, a game day i'm not a big eater i'll get up have breakfast have a little lunch and then there's a pre-game meal which i'll just have a few pancakes which is, I know, a big thing for a lot of guys, but food's not massive in my... Pre- I don't think about it. I don't need to eat a certain meal. I don't need to eat at certain times. If I'm hungry, I'll eat. If I'm not, I won't. Like, I'm pretty good in that respect. I'm not too superstitious. What about your teammates? Is there anyone who food is a massive part of their game day who need to get to the trough, you know, for particular things at particular times? Not that I've noticed. I know Shawnee Farrell, which is the weirdest one, wouldn't eat on game day, which I would find so tough so we played eight at night a few times he played with us he wouldn't eat until after which is baffling to me and i know uh, a couple others sort of use the old excuse oh, i'm playing a game for you tonight i can eat whatever i want so they pig out on the pancakes i know matthew fesler i know we always talk about him on the pod but he literally wakes up for breakfast goes back to sleep wakes up for lunch goes back to sleep wakes up for the pre-game meal that's literally his day on game day which i have to respect but yeah that's all he does he gets up for a feed goes back to sleep is comes back up that why you nickname him the pig that is why he's the piglet <laughs> always sniffing around for something He's a big pancake specialist too, the pig. He the pancake him. piglet, the maybe. The pancake piglet, that could stick. Let's hope it sticks. Uh, some, some really good news at the Queensland Reds this week with some, some key players uh, recommitting to the club and, and doubling down on their efforts to, to achieve success here. Uh, lads, I want to get your, your thoughts on these guys. Firstly, uh, Jock, talk us through Turbo Tom Liner. Um, resigns till the end of 2025, just what that means for the club. He's a huge talent. I think we saw that at the start of the year. He's 19 years old and he's just a natural footy player. You see he's goal kicking, kicking the ball. Yeah, so a massive signing for the Reds. And yeah, I know he loves Queensland. He loves Australia from speaking to him a fair bit. And, you know, I think he's got a big future ahead in in international footy and and at this level. So that's a good coup for the Reds and um, yeah, big signing. I mean, as a 17-year-old, with all the pressure that comes with that surname, but also moving to the other side of the world by yourself uh, to pursue a footy career that he, he could have pursued in the UK, uh, says a fair bit about his character. Yeah, I'm not sure if many people know that, like how how little people he knew here. So he moved here not knowing anyone apart from his grandparents, who he hadn't seen in four or five years. Um, as a 17-year-old, other side of the world, which is... Like, that's very daunting um, and, and a huge movement. Like you said, he could have just stayed at Harlequins with his brother and, and gone through that pathway. But he said from day one that he wants to play for Australia. That's his goal, wants to play for the Reds. And he took that sacrifice and he's living on his own at the moment and I'm not sure what, what he cooks. From all reports, <laughs> it's a lot of Uber Eats. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, like, 
he's got a lot of character about him to do that. Another guy, um, Smithy, who re-signs is, is Seruru, um, a guy who, you know, part of the Fijian contingent at the club and a guy who, who's had a huge impact at the Reds. Yeah, for sure. I think um, he was dominating in Premier Rugby, um, playing for East back in the day. I think he's changed to West since. Um, but, yeah, he's just a, a great guy to have around the club and he's always got a smile on his face and always um, taking the piss out of DZ for the most part. And, yeah, he's obviously played... Aussie A last year and um, he's been doing really well and uh, sort of uh, through necessity been sort of playing outside of his preferred position in the row and he's um, doing an awesome job. He's uh, pretty safe hands in the line out and um, probably the, the best kickoff uh, catcher we've got. So yeah, it's awesome to sign him on for another few years. Last week's podcast guest, Angus Blythe, he's hanging around as well. Massive around the group and, um, yeah, he, he's just a great guy to have around and part of the leadership group and, um, yeah, take a lot of learnings from him and, um, yeah, he's just a big, tough unit and great to have a seven-foot bloke uh, re-signing as well. And final one, good news comes in fours with uh, our co-captain Tate McDermott re-signing as well, Jock. It's uh, very exciting for for Tatey and, and his family and Aussie rugby, really. I think... Um, he was pretty sought after from everywhere, you know, around the globe. And, you know, Tatey is, is a massive Queenslander and a homebody. So I'm not sure if, if Ira knew that, but I'd offer him unders because I knew he was staying. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, he's a massive, massive player for us. He's our co, co-captain and him and Liam do a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people don't don't realise. And, and it's, it's a massively stressful job, captaining, you know, your side and think that him and Rongers work really well together and, and sort of balance that. But yeah, like he's a hell of a player. You know, he's a good mate of mine and it's good to see him sticking around. Speaking of the halves, as we look forward to the Brumbies this week now and team selection, uh, great opportunity. Lawson Crichton comes in this week in that number 10 jersey. First time we see him this year. Um, put some great performances together last year. Um, he's, he's had to, to bide his time and, and work hard at training to get that opportunity. How's he looked at training and, and how excited, Jock, yourself first and, and then maybe you, Smithy, how excited are you to see Lawson back in the squad? I know Lawson, he's, he's been working hard, uh, hasn't really got his shot until now and, and um, you know, he's ready and, yeah, I think we all, all, all know that. Um, he's put in a lot of, lot of hard work and he knows when he gets his opportunity he's got to take it because we do have a lot of depth in that position with James and Tom. You know, part of, part of our business is when you get your shot, you've got to take it and from my perspective, I've just got to do all, all I can to help him out, make that transition as easy as possible and... Um, but I'm very confident in Lawsey and um, he'll, he'll do a great job for us. Yeah, no, it's no secret. I'm um, a big fan of Lawson, one of my best mates. And, um, yeah, we've been having good um, frank discussions around, you know, the selection. And, yeah, he's been, he's been really mature and, and um, yeah, he's, he's been really strong about it and um, been just talking about needing to work harder and, and make yourself get selected in that spot. And, yeah, no, he's, he's been done just that. So he's been working really hard. Uh, on the field and I've seen him a lot in the um, computer room doing a lot of preview and review stuff and I think that stuff goes a really long way in, in helping you out so yeah, he's done a great job to, to get his chance in the saddle. And I think a big thing you know for Lawsey is you know each week we obviously need to prepare um, versing different opponents and he sort of led that second team and and played really well and um, you know hasn't, hasn't kicked stones or anything he's really just worked hard um, done the job for the team. It, it, you know, we always talk about it training. It's a full squad performance, and if the non-selected aren't flying in, ripping in, and testing testing the the guys that have the privilege to play, then no one's going to do well. And I think he's really kept those boys accountable. 
Yeah, maybe to put that into perspective, he's sort of got to learn all the Reds plays. He's got to learn for that week, you know, for the, for example, for this week, he, he would have had to learn all the Brumbies plays and then again have to learn all these plays for his um, club team for brothers and go out there and lead brothers around all of them, you know, different plays, different names, um, and he's kind of got to have three sets of um, team sheets and run sheets running around in his head at, at one time and, um, you know, got to sit in a meeting preparing as the Brumbies, uh, sit in a team meeting preparing as the Reds and then head down to Crosby Park on a Tuesday, Thursday night and prepare for to be a, a brother's man. So I, I think uh, that, that role in the um, non-23 sometimes overlooked and sometimes people go, oh, you know, whatever, you're not really playing but um yeah I, I think um from my time there it's bloody hard and it can um it can be pretty tough mentally as well as physically you're doing you know more sessions than the than the 23 are and um you know getting extra knowledge in and um extra extra work so yeah those guys are doing a great job at the moment and I think we've seen that in the last few weeks how we've trained and prepared is that that second team is absolutely taking it to the first uh starting team and the and the playing 23 so uh, that only makes us stronger. It's I think it's going really well. We talked about the Brumbies a little bit earlier. Um, Jock, you obviously spent time on the spring tour last year and in the Wallabies camps with guys like Nick White, Noah Lolaseo, uh, Lenny Katow, Tom Wright. Um, we know how strong they are from a, a um, set-piece perspective as well, but I want to know how you've read their, their halves combos, the 9-10, with not only White and Lolaseo, but also mixing and matching a bit with, with Ryan Lonigan and, and Jack Debrasini and, and how they've been able to make that pay for them. Yeah, it's been pretty interesting to, to watch from the outside. They sort of have paired up their 9 and 10 in terms of uh, Loners and Debrasini and Whitey and Noah, and I think it's a, it's a luxury that they've got, and they've got well, obviously Loners and Whitey are the two nines in the the Wallaby squad at the moment. So I suppose they're fighting for game time, and I think Larkham's obviously found a way to try and keep them both happy, which yeah would be an incredibly tough job for him. Um, he sort of paired them up with a ten each, so they can develop that combination. So yeah, it's 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 interesting because the tens bring a lot of different play styles. Like Derosini's fairly different play style to Noah, so. It'll be interesting to see who they pick this week, and yeah, I'm excited to to get stuck into them. A couple of guys out wide with a fair bit of gas as well. Not in that that Wallabies squad, but young Corey Tool, who's in his first year of Super Rugby, and then a guy like Andy Muirhead, who's just been a consistent performer at this level for a number of years. Smithy, you found yourself uh, chasing a kickback behind the play against the Crusaders. How would you back yourself if you were one on one with Corey Tool in that environment? Oh yeah, easy. Got him for gas, no dramas. I think I take about two steps to his 15. So as long as I can get those quick two off, uh, I'm out in front there. Um, yeah. Now they've got some some good talented guys out there and Muirhead's been finding his way to the line a fair bit. So, um, yeah, it'll, it'll just be a really tough battle and, um, yeah, it takes a full team effort, you know. It, the forwards need to lay the platform, you know, in attack and defence and step up physically and, um, you know, they've got some pretty damaging runners through Valentini and it's going to be a good battle there um, for those sort of back row guys and same again for our sort of back three against their back three. It's um, If you can beat your opposite man consistently across the field, then it'll um, be the best thing for us. Playing them again four weeks after you played them for the first time, do you think that's advantageous? Possibly. I think it's probably not so much of a, a big change for our game plan. I think... Um, means we can sort of uh, stick with the same sort of structure and uh, we've got a bit of a familiarity familiarity how do you say that word familiarity 
we're pretty familiar with uh, how they play, and um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it'll be a good good test and see. You know, that, that it's always hard because you know you can do as much preview as you want, and the team can throw a completely different look at you. And it's uh, all about how you adapt on the run on the field. So um, yeah, it'll be a good challenge for us. I know that the backs have been preparing well for for the, what they're going to throw. Yeah, we we've played them so often in the last three or four years so we sort of know each other's game pretty well and what what, what we're going to bring it's just about showing up and and delivering on, on what we say we're going to do and you know we've let ourselves down there in the past especially the start of this season um sort of hurting hurting ourselves and um i know that you know they rely on us hurting ourselves um you know, as a, not really as a game plan but as, as something that's going to happen and i think we need to be better in that respect into just playing a lot more solid rugby which is what they do you know and you see the Crusaders on the weekend. You know, I think we got a few more line breaks, a few more tackle busts, but they were four out of five in the A zone, scoring tries, converting their opportunities, whereas we were two from nine. So I think, you know, that's an area where we need to improve and that's an area where the Brumbies are strong as well. So you see at the top of the table, the, the good teams take their opportunities and right now we're not one of those. So that's something that we've been working on behind the scenes. I think a little bit of that decision-making stuff's what um, we sort of need to keep improving on. I think we've obviously got the talent and the X factor to, to make those line breaks, but you know, sometimes in the past we'd make a line break and throw an offload that wasn't there, and then you know, sometimes again we make an off uh, make a line break, sorry, and then we don't throw an offload that maybe was on. So I think if we can sort of marry up the two of those, and um, you know pick the right times to throw it obviously it's not always going to be on and and um the other way around it sometimes it just does isn't on um at all so yeah being able to pick and choose um and make the right decisions around that i think um will go a long way in um you know tidying up that a zone execution which um yeah we've sort of sought out as a pretty key point for us yeah and a few tough review clips in in what you're talking about there in in players holding the ball when should have passed and and vice versa and throwing a how Mary offload when if we just settle, take the tackle and, and play on top, you know, we probably would score a few phases later. That's like a massive part of our game because we do have dynamic ball carriers. Like you look at Filippo, Geordie, Wilso, you know, Smithy. just to name a few, uh, Blythe, Seru. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that is a big tidy up for us and, and you know, we, we do recognise that and we feel like if we can get that part of our game right, we can put a lot of points on the board. And that's a good thing, right, is we are aware of it and uh, we've been reviewing it. So, um, yeah, it, it puts us on the right track at least to try and fix those things up. Yeah, I think it's a good problem to have um, not converting opportunities rather than creating zero. So, yeah. you know, among other things, you know, I think our defence against the Rebels wasn't up to scratch and we improved that on the weekend and we just need to keep fronting up defensively because we have points in us. So I think that's a big focus for us. They're two big focuses for us this weekend going forward. 100%. Each week on the podcast, we're going to turn our attention to someone who needs to pull their socks up. And this week, Matthew Fesler, in training last week, uh, he got a bit rattled by Vesti at a breakdown and cleaned him dead set 10 metres past the breakdown. Obvious penalty, probably a card for back chat to the ref. And then about two minutes later in the huddle says, don't let them rattle us, boys. And he was just absolutely rattled by Vesti. So, piglet, pancake piglet, pull your socks up. Every week we check in with our BuildCorp Super W team, the awesome Brianna Cheatham, a.k.a. Cheetah. Cheetah, 
coming to us this week after a second consecutive victory, a 2-0, 29-14 over the Western Force. Talk us through that game and, and how the Force met expectations and, and what you guys were pleased to take out of it. Yeah, um, it was a hard game, actually. Um, Western Force definitely brought it to us and our expectations of them were, you know, that medium level and they came in and really brought it. Um, it was a physical forwards game. As you said, we got the win. It was it was ugly, but we got there. Hey, Tudor, I just got a quick question. I want to know what Tina is like around around the team. I obviously know her <laughs> in terms of being her brother and what she's like at home, yeah. but I just want to see if it's any different around the side. Um, she is a loudmouth, let's just say that. Um, Gobs <laughs> off a bit, but she's a asset to have in this team, um, especially in the lineouts. She's a leader uh, through that. So great teammate. So loud mouth is uh, very similar to to at home. Yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> and line out leader, just like you, Jock. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Doing yeah. the hard hard work there. And Cheetah, we always talk rugby with you, but we just wanted to get a little bit of an insight into you know life outside of rugby for yourself. Uh, what do you do during the day, and um, what's your sort of sort of job, and and what else do you kind of like to get up to um, in your spare time? Um, day job. So I'm in the army full-time transport logistics, corporal. My role at the moment is more just at a managing role of purse and vehicles. Um, don't really get out on the road as much anymore. In my downtime, the beach is a great one to get away and escape on weekends. Recovery consists of most of my downtime at the moment. Nice. Um, but I've got three dogs, so they keep me busy and, yeah, just try and relax as much as I can. How good. Sounds like uh, recovery is number one, so we'll send that straight through to the coaches. Good on you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Put that through. Corporal Cheetah, one more from me. Uh, another double header this week at the Corp. Coming up against the Brumbies. How excited are you for Good Friday footy and hopefully a nice big crowd? Yeah, definitely. We're always very excited when we have double headers. Um, draws in those big crowds, as I said last week. Um, Brumbies are going to be another tough one for us, but we're super excited to um, get out there and show everyone what we can do. Awesome. Thanks very much for uh, letting us chat to you again, Cheetah, and um, we'll catch you at the game. Awesome. Thank you. Alrighty, Jock. It's that time again. The 10 quickfire questions. Uh, starting off with, first of all, what would you be doing if you didn't play rugby for a living? Uh, I'd probably be in office somewhere. I've got a commerce degree, so I have no idea where, but I'd say I'd be in the city somewhere. Playing 500 and chess. Yeah, not doing work. <laughs> uh, next Reds player to make their Wallabies debut. I'm trying to think of someone other than other than Fluky Smithy. Oh, too kind. Uh, best player you've played with? Probably have to say Samu. Best player you've played against? Damian McKenzie. Uh, who has the best and worst fashion sense at the Reds? And Wilso. Like, playing golf with Wilso, I don't <laughs> think he'd be allowed on Indra with some of the kitty. <laughs> like, we got some higher standards than, than Cricket Australia shorts, you know? <laughs> The best, I have to say, my JP. JP's yeah. got to be a swagger about him. Yeah, that's pretty common theme. Wilso wearing terrace cricket shorts from five years ago and JP looking swaggy. Terrace cricket shorts, Cricket Australia, Broncos, anything ASICs because you get them for free. <laughs> but they shouldn't be allowed, like, tailored golf pants, mate, please. Come on, mate. <laughs> Just a bit of respect for the game. <laughs> Uh, and the best and worst haircuts of the club? I'm not going to give the best, but worst is definitely Louis Worsh on at the moment. It's looking gross. Like, I, I kind of want to give it best as well because he's having a crack and he's, he's uh, got, like, braids. I don't know what... Shaved what's, back. Like, yeah, yeah. It changes every week. It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And I don't mind it because he's, 
does not care what anyone thinks. No. That's why I want to give him best and worst, yeah. He's got his, like, mates or his brother's plumbing logo tattooed on him. It's freakish. <laughs> Free advertising, you reckon? Good. Who should not be allowed near the speakers in the gym? I feel like we miss Hamish Stewart in the backs gym because he was always great coverage of all genres. But I'm not a big fan of words with songs with no words and so... I haven't gymmed a lot with Vesti, but I've gymmed once and I was not lifting well. It's not good. Not that I lift well ever, but <laughs> I'll blame the Didn't music. <laughs> Three dream dinner guests. Barack, Mike, uh, Tiger Woods, and Warney. A few beers. I want Barack because you can tell me all the secrets about UFOs and stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be good. And then Tiger, just good, good, good man, yeah. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Your favourite movie? Tough to pick one, but... Top five is um, The Prestige. Mm. Uh, and your death row meal, entree, main dessert and drink? I'll just go, I love sushi, so I'd get um, some some sort of sushi, um, get some sashimi for the entree, just double up. And a drink, I get some sort of beer. Nice. Nothing too fancy, but yeah, big fan of sushi, so I'd go sushi. Sushi and beer. Pete and Jock, thanks so much for coming on again this week. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a been a great chat. Got some Huberman in there. Got a bit of everything, which is always good. Yeah, no, it's been been enjoyable. Um, next year I might come back. You know, if if it's still running, yeah. if, if the uh, viewership maintains its high levels, there, Smithy. I hope so. And uh, yeah, Pete, thanks as always, mate. You're excellent. Could be the first two time guest, Jock. No, yeah, well done, Smithy. He's already booking himself in again. He must have really loved Dr. it. Doctor disrespect, mate. The two time. <laughs> And thanks again to all of our listeners for tuning in. Make sure you like and subscribe so you can keep up with all the latest Socks Up action. Uh, and make sure you get down to Suncorp this Friday night for the doubleheader. Girls are kicking off at 5.05 and the boys kick off at 7.35. Get your tickets at reds.rugby.